Welcome back to the Confident Teen Podcast. It has been my deepest intention over the past four years on my own journey to provide value and to help support other souls, especially teens. I am a mama of two, a wife, a certified teacher, and a holistic health coach. I believe in the power of sharing our stories and our lessons to help support others. I also believe confidence is deeply rooted within us all. We have just forgotten how to access it. My hope is that you know, adult or teen, that you are worthy, you are capable, and your potential is limitless. I am so grateful to have you here. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so grateful to have you here to listen to another episode and very excited to be sharing another valuable valuable and insightful conversation with returning guest, Pamela Brett. So in this conversation, we dive into her belief cycle. Um, I talk a little bit more about my confidence equation and we kind of connect all of this as it relates to our thoughts and how that in turn plays a huge role in the way that our mind, our body, and even our soul are connected. So this is an episode that I am very, very excited for you to listen to. Take notes, send us a message, let us know your takeaway. We always love engaging in meaningful conversations with other people. I hope you enjoy this one. Hey, so really quickly before we dive into the episode, my name is Christy Simons and I am the host of this podcast. Additionally, I am also a mom of two, a wife, a certified teacher, and a teen life and confidence coach, also an author and energy healer. So over the past year, I have been a support for families, um, especially teens, who are really looking for a way to learn how to effectively move through the challenges that you know come in and out of our lives in a way that makes them feel empowered and confident. And yes, I have seen and I know from personal experience that this is possible. So to learn more about my Confident Teen program and the Mindful Mountain Cycle, a signature framework that I created that comes from pure passion and love for the work that I do, all you have to do is head on over to my website. So that's christysimonscoaching.com to book your complimentary connection call. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. So grateful to have you here to listen to another episode. And this is an episode that is going to be posted on two podcasts. So on mine, The Confident Teen, and also have Pamela Brett here with me today from Blue Glasses Math. So I'm just so excited to be sharing in this meaningful conversation with you. I know we have so much insight and valuable information to share today. So I'm thinking let's just start and introduce ourselves to both of our communities, and then we'll just dive into all the goodness that we have planned. Sounds great. Sounds great. Okay, so I'll go. um, So my name is Dr. Pam Brett. I am a math specialist, and I have a podcast called Blue Glasses Math. And um, what the reason why it's blue glasses is, well, first of all, I wear blue glasses, but it's really about shifting our perspective on what it means to be a math person. And, you know, so often I've, the reason, the inspiration for this podcast basically came from several conversations over several decades with uh, teachers, parents, uh, just the average person on the street. And when I would say, 
you know, what do you do for a living? And I would say, oh, I, I teach math. And then even worse, I teach middle school math. And I would always get these like moans and groans. And so over the years, I thought, you know, we really need a shift in perspective about what it means to be a math person. So that's why it's blue glasses math. I love that. And uh, my name is Christy Simons, host of the Confident Teen podcast. I recently left my 12-year teaching career to pursue my passion, which is still teaching, but I feel like um, from a lens of love and from a lens of a lot of the things that I have learned um, over a span of, I want to say like four years on my own personal growth and development journey. And that is really helping to cultivate confidence within our teens and our youth, because whether it be math or any other area in their life, I do see that there is a huge gap, um, maybe just in like the edu educational system in general, like there are just so many parts and pieces I feel like that are missing things that I have learned and information that I have acquired that has truly helped me to transform my life. And I just know that this is possible for literally anybody. Um, and that is what I am so passionate about teaching now. So beautiful. And I feel like our, <laughs> our work goes so hand in hand because yeah. we're really trying, both of us are really like honing in on that confidence on helping students and from, in my case, teachers also to develop that confidence in themselves to be able to, you know, do the thing they're, they, they're meant to do um, in the world. So yeah, it's great. I'm so glad we've yeah, come into each other's space. A hundred percent. And that's where we wanted to start today. We wanted to start today talking a little bit about, I've had you on the podcast before. So if anybody wants to go back and listen to that episode, I don't know the episode number right now, but just find Pam Bread. It was confident, um, confidence in math. But you, you talked in that episode about the belief cycle. And I re recently posted an episode to my podcast as well, where I talked about, you know, being the creative creator of your life and how to me, I have like this confidence equation that I feel I've been implementing in my own life that has really, truly gotten me to where I am today. <clears throat> and so I kind of just wanted to start there, but then we wanted to break it down a little bit so that, you know, the listeners can really, truly understand like how this actually works in terms of like our mind and our body and how everything is just so connected to our thoughts. Love it. So why don't you start with the belief cycle? And then I'll kind of talk a little bit about uh, confidence on my end. I love it. Okay, perfect. All right. So, you know, I'm going to frame it in, in an experience that I had when I was teaching eighth grade students. So I had eighth grade students who I was new to teaching to the school. I had eight years of experience behind me. So I thought I really knew how to teach math well. And I was faced with these students before the school year even started. I had teachers saying to me, oh, this is these are the worst kids who have ever come through um, this school district and, you know, prepare yourself and all of these things. So I'm like, okay, bracing myself a little bit. And when the students came into my classroom, I could see why the previous, the whole, just, they had this reputation. I could see where the reputation came from, right? The behaviors, the, the noise level, all the things, right? But as Heather says to us, we're in this community with, with Heather and she talks about how behavior is a language, right? So these kids were trying to tell me something through their behavior. And so just quickly, what happened was that I started asking them these really higher level questions that they were not accustomed to being able to answer. So like, you know, or, or the other 
thing I would do is like, if they would answer a question, right? So I would pose a math question to them. They would answer me and then I would answer, ask them a question back. Like, well, how do you know? Or can you prove to me that that's your answer? And that got these kids so worked up and so angry that they actually charged the main office. I would say charged. They didn't like run down there, but they went into the main office at lunchtime and they asked the principal to fire me because they said that I wasn't doing my job because I wasn't ever answering their questions. So how does this connect to the belief cycle? So those students came in believing that there was this role of a teacher and the teacher's role and job was to take information and put it into their minds. And then they were, their role was to spit it back. So in that they believed that their job was not really to think. It was really just to reiterate what I was supposed to teach them. Meanwhile, my belief cycle was in order to teach, but my belief was in order to teach math well, we need get to get kids thinking and reasoning and digging deep into the math. And so from the belief came the thoughts. So these kids right, at, right away were like, I, I think this teacher doesn't know what she's doing. And so their action was to go to the main office. And the result actually in that case was the principal sent them back up to class and um, we resumed a normal operating procedures, which was typically me trying to get them to believe in themselves through action, right? So now this is where I'm going to talk about the action. So the belief cycle is belief, thought, action, result. So if you think about like the life cycle, this, like are people familiar with that? So the belief comes first. I mean, not necessarily because it's a cycle, but belief, then thought, then action, then result. So what I started doing with these students is I started really taking intentional action on my part so that I could put them in the role of action, right? Like I'm, which is how I, that's why I would frame things like, well, you told me the answer is three fourths. How do you know? Because I was trying to enact their thinking through asking them the question back to have them prove, prove it to me, um, prove it to themselves really. And then the result of that was more, it's not about the result was, oh, they got the answer was three fourths. The result was they started to believe in themselves they started to see, oh, I can do this. The result was more like, I got this, which then would sh start to shift their belief. And then that belief cycle started like shifting throughout the school year with those particular students. And this has happened with many years of students, but that group particularly because they came in with this belief, they're eighth graders and they knew what their rep reputation was. They knew what the rest of the school believed about them they're the worst class ever, blah, blah, blah. How do the kids find this out? I don't know how they figure it out, but they do. And so through that, they believe that their actions should be a certain way, right? They had to hold up that reputation. And I was there to shift that and to like knock that like off kilter a little bit and say, no, 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 you can do this and you will do this and you can achieve. And they did. But the reason why I believe the students like the, re the result was different than what my colleagues, I guess, had expected it to be. Um, like those result, meaning that the students were actually able to engage. And I started, people started coming into my classroom and saying like, what, what are you doing? Like, how is this working? How are you getting these kids to pay attention? How are you getting them to like do the work? And I really, at that time, could not answer them. I'm like, I'm just teaching. Like, this is how I do it. Like, I didn't know anything about the belief cycle. I didn't know, you know, I was, hadn't done any personal development at all. Certainly would have helped me at the time. Um, but really what I was, what I would kept saying is I'm just not going to let them, I'm not, I'm not letting it be easy on them. And that's what I thought I was really doing. But what I was actually doing was I was making the students believe 
in their ability to do the math by making them just do it. But like, it, I don't know, it's not coming out very, because it's like, I wasn't like browbeating them like over, you know, it was more like I was setting up conditions for them to be able to be successful. So I would provide a problem or a set of problems. We call them tasks now, where any student could engage at any point in the problem. So maybe I had a class of 25 students and maybe there were some students who were able to do like draw the triangle, right? This problem is about a triangle. Can you draw a triangle? Yes, I could draw a triangle. Okay, great. Like now you took an action and now you have a result that now you're engaged with the problem. Whereas other students might say, well, I know what a vertex is, which is like the points on the, on the, the ends of a triangle for any of you who are not mathy people. Um, you know, I know what a vertex. And so anyway, so then you could kind of like continue to draw different kids in based on where they were so that each student would believe that they could do it in their own way at their own pace. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And as you're saying that, I feel like it's, again, the belief cycle in terms of math, which I feel it can be applied to literally any area of our life is kind of the same thing as my confidence equation. Yeah. I want to hear about that. I literally just, literally just invented. I want to say like four years ago, it came to me kind of like as a whisper. It was just be brave, trust yourself, take action. After the birth of my son, something massively shifted inside of me. And I just knew that there were so many areas in my life that needed to change in order to show up and be the best possible version of myself for him. Because the person that I was back then, although I am grateful to her um, for getting me as far as she did, I just knew that that wasn't the person that I wanted to be. I I didn't want to be that person as his role model. Hmm. And so that for me though was was scary because you get so set in your ways that when you actually have to be brave enough to admit the things in your life that are no longer serving you in my case that was drugs and alcohol and and so many other toxic patterns that were literally steering me down a path that was that was no good for me um yeah i had to be brave enough to look in the mirror and just actually recognize that i i deserve better that he deserved better and i had to have like those deep inner conversations with myself it also came to a point where i had to trust myself trust myself enough to know that the things that i was desiring to call into my life that i was capable and i was worthy of actually having those things mm-hmm. because living the way that i was living um there were just so many reasons why I felt like I wasn't good enough because of some of the ways that I Mm -hmm. chose to live before. Um, And so then it was all about taking action on those things. And that's where you mentioned, I finally did when I joined Heather Chauvin's coaching community, which we are both a part of. So again, this is just a mentor, somebody to hold us accountable, right? To actually have that belief for us, because I, I really honestly couldn't see it for myself before. Um, So to have her there, like guiding, supporting, that is what made like a world of a difference. So literally over the past four years, I have been saying to myself, be brave, trust yourself, take action. So I wanted to start running, be brave, trust yourself, take action. Four years later, I'm running a full marathon come this (gasps) October. That's amazing. Um, I've always wanted to write a book. So be brave, Mm. trust yourself, take action. I co-authored in a book 
uh, last year and it is published and it is out in the world. Be brave, trust yourself, take action. I really, really wanted to start a podcast because I absolutely love listening to, the, to them. And I was like, well, what if I could maybe start my own podcast? What would, like, what would that look like? Be brave, trust yourself, take action. And I've done that and I've been podcasting now for over a year. Um, and again, you can see what I'm, where I'm going with this. It's just, I've literally just, it's, it's honestly truly about connecting with yourself and just really getting to like the root of all the reasons why you feel like you can't, like you really mm. have to start like excavating through those, like those old limiting beliefs that you have about yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you really have to connect with like that deep internal voice and, and just trust that you know what's best for yourself. And then like the most important step, which is often the hardest is just to actually take action on that. The day that I decided to start this podcast, and I'm sure you feel the same because you started a podcast recently, that was, that was scary. It was vulnerable when it's something that you've never done before. You are literally creating something new in your life and your body kind of goes into like fight, flight, or freeze. Um, You are literally shocking your system and something that's going to be outside of your comfort zone. That's going to cause a lot of discomfort is not something that your body is going to want to participate in, but you just... Again, once you do it and then once you stick to those things and you just keep repeating the cycle over and over again, that's where you start to build the strength. That's where you start to build the confidence. And I mean, I still can't believe looking back four years ago where I was um, Mm -hmm. compared to now. Yeah. And it's all because I chose to follow this cycle, this equation, as you said, the belief cycle, the confidence equation. Um. Yeah, it has just created so much change. And I guess we could, I'll, I'll let you go, but maybe diving into to like our thoughts and just how that actually plays into our brains and how everything works. Yeah, well, let's, I just want to talk about trust for a minute because you've got this be brave, trust yourself and take action, right? So that trust piece, um, you know, I feel like the way our world is set up so much that we are not set up to trust ourselves. It's like crazy, right? It's like, we're so busy watching what everybody else is doing. Um, And this gets back even like in my experience in in teaching, like, you know, teachers, and maybe maybe it's better now, but when I was actually teaching, it was like, shut your door and do your thing, right? And and if this teacher had a resource and that teacher had a resource, there was not always this, it depended on the relationship, of course, but like this, this, this not sharing thing, because I want my kids to be better. And I mean, anyway, but the trust piece, trusting yourself is such a huge part of this whole equation and the belief cycle, I I would argue too, right? That um, in order to take that action, you have to have that trust. Yeah. Right. And before we jumped on the podcast, I'm looking actually at my notes. We were talked about the um, having this someone break that cycle. So do you want to go there first or do you want to talk about the mind body connection or whatever you think, Pam? All I, right, I, I'm, girl. I'm open. All right, cool. Well, we're definitely cool. going to touch on both for sure. But if you're leading into the, yeah, somebody to break that and then I can yeah. dive into what I've learned in terms of our brain perfect. and the actual like biological computers that we have. <laughs> yeah, sounds awesome. And okay, how perfect. that's all connected as well. Yeah. So like when we talk about that, the, that belief cycle or the confidence equation and trusting yourself, sometimes you do need like an external coach or an external somebody, right? It doesn't even have to be a a coach. It doesn't have to be a teacher. It could be the kid sitting next to you. It could be your running partner. It could be 
you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, a, a therapist who you're paying, you know, out of pocket. Like that's not what it's about. It's just having, sometimes you do need that somebody to kind of like push you through. And I think in that case with the, the eighth graders that I always use as my, like, that's like my, um, I don't know what you call it. Like my, my seminal piece. No, that's not right. It's the, it's the piece that I like, I build everything off of that experience because that experience, like I had eight years of teaching behind my belt behind me. And then I started working with these kids and I'm like, Oh, now I'm really learning how to teach because now mm -hmm. I have to step into that coach role because these kids have been the, have had relationships with other teachers as um, you know, not being worthy, not being, and it wasn't because, and I don't think it's because the teachers didn't really believe the kids were worthy. It was more of this, like, um, this codependency thinking like, well, we have to help them so much because their behavior, da, 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 da. and I'm like, yeah, but what if you got them to take action? And then that action in the, and this gets into your, like the, the brain research, their cognition, right? Their thinking kind of distracts them from all of the behaviors that they're trying to present, right? And they're presenting those behaviors because they're all avoidance behaviors, right? I have to go to the bathroom. She took my pencil, you know, the yelling across the room that, you know, he did this to me in the hallway. All of that was avoiding the math. So what I had to do, I had to step in as that like person to break the cycle. And I just like punched my fist, but like literally like break, break the cycle and say, okay, guys, tell me the answer is 12. What did I do to get there? And the kids would be like, whatever, you know, one plus 11. And then we kept going with it. And then they'd start to realize, oh, I actually can do math. I can do this. And, but it was because I had to choose something for them to engage in, engage their cognition and to almost distract them from the fact that they were trying to avoid the yeah. situation. And then once they got engaged, cognitively engaged, then they started to be like, oh, you know, well, what if I tried this? Or what if I tried this? And then the other piece about it is that this being brave, trusting yourself and taking action, it's like, I also create, it's, it's, it's creating a condition, uh, an environment where kids feel safe or the, the teenager, the whoever it could be a teacher feels safe to try something and make a mistake because I'm sure in your running experience, every run was not just like, whoopee, yay, this is great. Like you have no. days where you're like, oh, do I, it's 17 degrees out or, or you're in Canada. So I don't know what that would be in Canadian, but in um Celsius, but I feel like it's not easy, right? It's not, there's always going to be times where you're like, oh my gosh, it would just be so, it could be so much easier for me to just open the textbooks and they like, here, just do numbers one through 45. And, and, yeah. you know, but I wasn't willing to do that with these kids and, and any students or teachers that I'm continuing to work with, because I want to break that cycle for them and help them to see themselves as being able to think. Well, and I think it's so important that you brought that up though, because, and I'm just thinking in terms of my own life, but when you talk about like, there's a difference between exactly like leading, guiding, supporting and like actually doing something for somebody else. Yeah. Because I know for sure that a lot of the clients that come to me, even the students that I've seen in the school system when I was a teacher the past 12 years, 
you know, they were always just like, like, can you do this for me? Even my son, who's three years old, will be like, I can't, I can't. He just wants me to do everything for him. But I have to constantly remind myself that I I, I don't want to rescue him and instill yes. those types of behaviors in him because it's not going to serve him in the long run. Because even at 36 years old, because that was the way I was brought up, raised, um, taught to by teachers, I still find myself asking myself rather than, you know, trying to solve a problem on my own, like, how can I, how can I, I'm always thinking, well, how, like, how, how would she do it? Or how would he do it? Or how would, you know, it's all like everybody else on the exterior. Mm-hmm. And for 30 something years, I've never actually just, you know, sat with myself and given myself enough time and space. It's also about slowing down. Um, yeah, to, to, to problem solve on my own and to figure out, you know, how would, how would Christy work her way through this? Right. And so that in itself is a skill that I feel like we are so disconnected from and that we have really, really lost over. Yeah. Over a while. And it's because, and I, I get it right. Like I've been a people pleaser for quite some time, something I'm still working on today, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's trying to really change the narrative towards how can we help um, any student that we're working with? How can we help them to co-create to get the result that they want rather than, you know, showing them and doing for them Mm -hmm. and taking away that uncomfortability that they're feeling? Because as you said, it's not going to be easy. Working through a challenge is not meant to be easy, but if it doesn't challenge you, it's not going to change you. So yes, It's more about recognizing that your body and your mind, your soul, all of it, you are capable of handling challenges. And when you do, ultimately what's going to happen is you're going to come out changed on the other side. And that's where you start to build those confidence muscles and you start to trust yourself so much more. But it's really about being brave in the beginning and knowing that you are capable and not letting those voices in your head that tell you that you aren't not letting them be louder than that deep self-trust that you, that you have within you. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. And I think when you talk about messages, you know, it's also the messages you were getting from outside, right? It's like, you know, the messages in this particular case of students, the students were mostly, I would say like 80% of them were black students and really lived in a marginalized neighborhood. So what were the messages that they were receiving? Right. And mm-hmm. so they were receiving all these messages about that they couldn't, they can't. And I'm like, that's not true. And I was the one who has it had to actually like ask them one day, like, what do people think of you outside? And they're like, you know, we're stupid. We can't. And I'm like, and is that true? And as soon as I said that, asked that question, is that true? They were like, oh, nobody's ever asked us that before. And this was like way before social justice and all of, I mean, this is a while ago. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so like, let's do this. Forget about what everybody else. And I remember saying to them one time, I was like, we're going to shut the door and we are here in this space right now. Whatever's happening outside in the world is not important right now in this next 80 minutes that we are here together. And it was like when I kept saying things like that and kept like, you are here in this safe space, you're going to get stuck. And I want you to get stuck because that's how your brain is going to grow. And I think that's where we could go next. It's like how, yeah. um, you know you're not going to grow nor you're not your brain is not going to increase in connection the connections in your brain are not going to con- increase unless you struggle and there's you know yeah. so much research out there about that we're not neuroscientists but we like to we're, no. we like to geek out and read it and learn about it yeah 100% and i feel like that's where um 
you know, I started to recognize in my life how I've been capable of creating all of these changes and how literally now I am a firm believer that the possibilities are limitless. Yeah. You literally can have and achieve anything you want in this life. It would take, and it will take a lot of work to get there. A lot of struggle, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of challenges along the way. But if you are willing to do the work, um, yeah, anything is possible. And it all starts with with thinking. So I am such a big fan of Joe Dispenza. So I'm going to mm. say that name again, Joe Dispenza. If you've never heard of him, <laughs> go look for his books. He's got like two or three books, maybe even more, two or three that I'm aware of. Um, and he's just, he's been on so many podcasts. So if you just search up his name, you'll be able to find him. But this is where everything is just so connected to our thoughts. So I've recognized over the last four years, you know, once I started to become aware of my thoughts and the way I, ways I was thinking, and especially in terms of like the limiting beliefs, as we said, um, how, when you, when you can be aware of your thoughts and you can change your thoughts, you can literally change your life. So thinking, doing, and being. So we have three brains, again, not something that I was never aware of, but we do. We have three brains. They're kind of like our biological computers in a sense. And if we just keep doing the same old thing every day, same old routine, mm -hmm. same patterns, it's just like it, our computer just keeps running on the same pre-programmed um, ways of doing things. And it's almost so, like an operating system, like the same operating yeah, system, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we have our neo neocortex, which is essentially like that walnut, um, you, you know, you see pictures of the brain and that's like literally what you see. It's like that first top layer mm -hmm. um, and like our frontal lobe, which is like right, like in front of our head, like in our forehead area. But essentially the neo neocortex is our thinking brain. So as you're listening to myself and Pam speak right now, that's, th that's how you're, you're hearing us and that's how you're absorbing all of this information. Right. Um, and then we have our limbic brain, which is kind of like the size of like a lemon-ish and that's like at the center. And that is our chemical slash emotional brain. So again, all of these are connected. And then right back at the back, at the base of our brain, like close to, you know, your spine or whatever, like on that backside of your neck, um, that is where you would have like the cerebellum, which is actually your subconscious mind. So mm. again, I work a lot with like Reiki and hypnosis. So I can understand now just how um, so many of those patterns and those things that become like habitual to us, like the habits that we have in our life are like really stored in that center. So again, just to recognize that we actually have like three different brains with three different functions to me has just been eye opening because we literally have like over a hundred billion neurons, like firing in our brains at all times. Mm -hmm. And I can actually remember him saying in one of his podcast episodes that, um, we generate more electrical impulses in our brain in one day than literally all of the cell phones on the planet put together. What? That's crazy. So just Right. So just think about like the actual power mm -hmm. that our brain has. So essentially when we are learning things, that is our neocortex, that's our thinking brain. So we're learning things, it's creating new circuits and um, like new pathways and stuff, but it isn't actually until we experience something. <sighs> and so this is where you talk about the belief cycle and this is where the action comes in. Yeah. So we can take in, you can be listening to this podcast and taking in all of this information and saying like, wow, I didn't know that. How cool. And I used to do this back in the day. I used to take in information 
but I actually never used to apply it. I never used to take action on it in my own life. So mm -hmm. it isn't until you actually take action that you begin to experience that it creates that chemical reaction in your limbic brain. And this is where you actually start to wire new circuits. And this is where you're actually starting to like up level the hardware of your bio biological computers. And so essentially what's happening, I feel in my own life and, you know, with what I see with some of my clients mm -hmm. is that they just have these same thoughts on repeat. Mm -hmm. And so when you're just constantly thinking the same thoughts and the same patterns, routine essentially just puts your brain to sleep, mm -hmm. which is why they say that essentially like 95% of our lives we are almost like living unconsciously and only 5% is actually lived consciously on a day-to-day -day basis, which it's seems crazy because you know you're awake and alive. Yeah. But yeah, it isn't until you actually become aware of those thoughts that you're like, you start to recognize that. So new experiences, so taking action and actually creating new experiences and actually having those chemical reactions start to form bonds um, is actually what essentially makes us feel alive and brings us to life. So is that part of and the then, limbic, limbic system? I'm, I'm yes. learning from you. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And then the more that, you know, the, the limbic brain, so our chemical emotional brain releases these chemicals, that in turn is what creates memories. Mm. And then the more you repeat this process, so say, for example, the more you repeat, Pam, the belief cycle the more you will create these memories, the more they will become ingrained, the more they will become habits. And then those habits essentially form in our subconscious mind and our subconscious mind now is holding on to those new habits. And that's where things just begin to become habitual. Like running for me, for example, it's not necessarily that I enjoy it. As you said, there are still days that I find it to be incredibly challenging, but I no longer wake up in the mornings and think, oh, like I don't wanna go for a run. Like I, it's, it's not even that I have like a, a crazy desire to run or anything. It's just, I literally have an alarm clock now that goes off in my head. It's not about wanting to go or not wanting to go. It's just, Hey, you're going this like, is what time I to move. Let's go. Mm -hmm. It's just become a habit. That's so ingrained kind of like alcohol or drugs were for me back in yes. the day, but I broke that pattern. I broke that cycle. It took time obviously. And it took rewiring because my, mm -hmm. that had become such a comfort for me. Um, but now I've, I've learned over time how to replace it and how to just stick with something different and how that actually will create, as I said, new neural pathways that just, yeah, help you literally to change. Like you, you literally can change your life just by changing your thoughts. And then I just want to add to end that, um, Joe Dispenza also talks about metacognition, mm -hmm. which essentially just means being aware of your thoughts. So once you get to a place where you are able to be aware, so for example, I was just with a client last night, I was telling you, and um, we were working a Reiki session and I always like to set an intention for the session, um, especially in terms of just like what we're gonna work on, what we're trying to release, what we're trying to call into our lives. And, you know, she said like the one thing that she wants so badly is just to feel like she is good at math, like the best mm -hmm. in her class, but that she has a belief that she's bad at math. So I told her that we were going to try and work on that belief, releasing the belief that she is bad at it and really just calling in the belief like I am good at math. I am good at this. And it doesn't mean that you have to feel like you are good at the whole, like 
everything that math encompasses. That's a lot of concepts. Right. But I asked her, like, what are you good at? What do you know that you're good at in math? And she said, adding to 100 and subtracting, same thing. And I said, okay, so just focus on that. You are good at math. And so yeah. again, it's just about slowly starting to work some of those new beliefs in and really starting to filter out and being aware of the things that that honestly probably aren't even true and already weren't even your thoughts to begin with that you just picked up along the way. Right. And my question would be like, where is she picking that up along the way? She's probably picking that up on her perception of the teacher's expectation. Yep. The grade, the number, the number on the paper. She told me four out of 12, for example. Uh, Right. And knowing that that represents that you are less than. Right. Exactly. Right. And I'm not saying like, I'm not, I'm not on the, in the, the, camp of everybody gets a trophy either. Right. So it's not that either. It's just that if we are so focused only on that answer, then like we're, we're really sending a message to the students that you are not good enough until you have that right answer. And then all the stuff that happened before was worthless. It's kind of like with you running the marathon, right? If you run the marathon and you finish in whatever your time you want, right. And if you only focus on that marathon and like completely discount all of the five o'clock AM runs that you're up in the cold, right. Then it makes no sense. Maybe because the only reason why you got to that marathon day is because of all the runs that you did before. And it's the same thing when solving a math problem. And that's what, that's why I was saying before, like I give multiple ways for students that they call them low floor height low floor, high ceiling. And some people call them wide walls problems where there's multiple ways for people to get involved because the fem- the emphasis in those situations is not on just the answer. It's on the process, the thinking process, right? And, and, and you mentioned something about metacognition. And I think that's so interesting because it's like the thinking about your thinking, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so often I don't think we ask, and it's so interesting because I remember when my son was in fifth grade, they did a whole unit on metacognition. I thought that was really interesting, but they did it one unit, one time. Those teachers did a spectacular job with it, but then they never talked about it again. And mm. I'm like, but we're not learning. And we used as a circling back to the very beginning of this conversation, like we are not teaching our children how their computer functions, which is exactly. their brain right? We are teaching them still, even though the advances in technology are happening literally at the speed of light right now. I mean, they have been for a long time, but now with like artificial intelligence and everything, like we can't keep teaching our kids just, you know, what is three times seven, get the answer. Okay. Move on. Check like gold star. No, it's like, we've got to teach them how to think and how to be problem solvers. And 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 have the, have the confidence to be a problem solver and not be relying on somebody else to like give them the crutches to get there get there because yeah, yeah. yeah. well and then for me i feel like too like on the spiritual side of things and from a soul based place mm-hmm. it's just reminding them because as you said it's not about handing out trophies to everybody and everybody gets you know it, it's not about that but it's just about reminding them and hopefully like just making sure that they know that regardless of what any tests or any outcome of anything is, that they are worthy no matter what, yeah. that they are enough no matter what. 
and that we all succeed and fail. And that is literally just that, that is life. Yes. Um, yes. And so, yeah, just really, really taking the time, as we said, to, to be brave, to look at those things, to trust yourself and to take action. Um, yeah, it, it will create confidence knowing that you are capable of moving through a challenge, no matter what the outcome is on the other side. Mm-hmm. Like that is something that you should be proud of. I'm smiling because my daughter is about to step into a biology exam that she's been studying for really hard over the last day or so. And I think there was this, I think there might be, I'm going to send her a text in a minute, but she, you know, just before she gets into the exam, like you, no matter what happens on this test, you put the work in and I'm proud of you for that. And, you know, you can do what you can do. And then when the outcome is, but it's like, it's all part of the journey. It's yeah. so hard for kids to see that. It's so it's I think kids don't see that they just you know, and also parents too. Like I, I, I see a lot of parents for kids that I work with after school and <laughs> like the messages I get from these parents sometimes are like, Ah, he has a quiz or you know, or she has this and you know, they get they get so focused and I always get the message when the, the kid gets a good score <laughs> according to the parent. I say this the air quotes. <laughs> like so and so got an eighty eight, we're so happy. And I'm like, and I'm happy for her too. But I'm also happy that she like, you know, put in the effort after school, after being in school for a full day, and then she still comes and sits with me and does math. And I'm like, to me, that's, that's worth a gold star right there. And it's almost like in our community, right? Because obviously I fall short with this often too. I'm still human. Um, It's about celebrating our wins because I often will find at the end of the week, I'm like, oh, I feel like I did nothing this week. Right. Because yes. often I don't take enough time to be present, to slow down, to think, what did I do this week that I am proud of? Mm-hmm. And there are ultimately usually so many things. It's just so many things that get overlooked. So, so it's, it's almost like having the, the, the pride in the action, right? So I just, I just thought like yeah. of another layer to this belief cycle is that like, you know, you have that action that, that leads to the result, but there's this like you know, this, this emotion of pride, I don't know if pride is pride and emotion, but like being, yeah, being proud of yourself to be able to take good from the action to the result and be proud before the result comes out. Right. I think that's what we're yeah. trying to zero in here is like, I did that. I studied for that bio test. Now I'm going to walk in and I'm going to be proud of myself because like, and this is going to be, have to be another episode, I'm sure. But like, if you think about how, when a student, and I know I can remember, remember, very vividly from my own university experience, which was over two decades ago. But I remember sitting in a physics class and being like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And guess what? I didn't do well on that exam. But I wonder if I had shifted my perspective and said to myself, Pam, you went to office hours, you studied, you did all the things you could possibly do. There was no more time left. You did everything you could. Just do the best you can. Like, I wonder if I had had that self-talk back at, you know, age 19 years old, if I would be able to have done differently on that exam. And I mean, yeah. I don't know. So first of all, I would, yeah, I would, I would have experienced it in a better way. Let's just yeah. say that. Well, and again, it, it all comes down to two, again, thinking, but then also, you know, creating those emotional connections. Yeah. And as I said, that's what creates new patterns and that's what creates those new like neural circuits in your brain. So regardless of the outcome, the grade, whatever it is, if you can make something about that experience and 
and really make those emotions fit with the way that you want to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it'll help you to show up to the next challenge even better than the time before. So essentially this is how you level up and this is how you create just magic in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, yeah. And that's, I'm just looking at all the, all the notes that I wrote down as we were talking and I'm like, I want more people, humans to be able to hear this and, and like make sense of it. So like, I'm wondering what could we say, what advice could we give to somebody who's listening to this podcast, who is a parent or a teacher who works with like middle school or young high school students, for example, what could, what, what could we, what could we suggest for them? I'm like, I know I'm like me, throwing this out there. Go ahead. That's okay. Um, I feel like for me, I'm always thinking in terms of what I would have needed to hear back then, back when I thought that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't capable, all the things, right. My thoughts were just telling me all of these stories that I internalized and believed So for me, it was really just about being aware of my thoughts. Like if you can start to be aware of the way you're thinking Mm -hmm. and that internal dialogue that you are having with yourself on a day-to-day basis, I feel like ultimately it would probably shock a lot of people because until you become aware of it and then you start to hear those things that you say to yourself, if you were to think about, hey, would would I ever speak to this this way to a friend, to a parent, to anybody else? And you're like, never. Yes, yes. So it's, it's... it's actually incredible the ways that we will, we will talk to ourselves internally. Um, so yeah, just being a lot more kind to ourselves, being more compassionate, um, showing ourselves empathy and just really celebrating the small steps that it takes to get from point A to point B, even if the outcome is not the outcome that maybe you desire, just still celebrating, you know, what you were capable of doing in order to get there. And then just reminding yourself that you are capable of problem solving. So how can I do better next time? Oh, I love that. I love that. And I think like for parents, um, it's so funny because I'm actually, my daughter just sent me, I just sent her a message that said, you did a great job studying and you should be proud. So this is like live, live parent coaching. And she said, she goes, thanks. Wish me luck. And then she goes back, writes back. She says, actually, that sounds weird. I'll be fine. LOL. (laughs) And I'm like, yes, you will be, you will be fine. And I think that's like, for me, if I was going to give a message to, I think I'm going to talk to parents, right? So parents who are, who have a, um, have a child who might be struggling with a particular class, right? Think about, are they really struggling or are they actually learning? Right. And like, what are they learning from coming home with a 72? <laughs> I love that you're clapping. Oh, like, yeah. What I'm are they learning? Too loud, so I don't want it to make background noise. But... <laughs> but what are they learning from the experience mm-hmm. of getting the 72? And how is our reaction as parents? Commu- like, what is that communicating to them? Right? So yeah. like, if we're having panic over that, then you're just setting your child up for more anxiety and and frustration and fear and fear, right? And fear that they can't trust themselves, right? Yeah. So yeah, I don't even know what I said before you started clapping actually. So it's not funny. Well, it was good. When you, when you listen to it back, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah, I did like that. <laughs> Mark that. Again, I often, 
I often find when I have these conversations with people, I mean, obviously in my life, it's not in terms of math, but just in terms of some of the challenges that I've been facing recently, it's always super helpful to hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just those takeaways. Yeah. And speaking of takeaways, if um, any of the listeners have any, I would love, I love when people just like randomly will send me messages, like in my DMs on Instagram and just share their insights, their takeaways, their aha moments. It means a lot to me. I mean, we show up here in podcasts and I, I I do all of this for free. I love, love, love to provide value, but I also love connecting in meaningful conversations with people. So yeah, if they want to reach out to us, Pam, do you want to tell them where they can find you? Sure. I hang out a lot on Instagram and you can find me at blue glasses math um, on Instagram and sometimes Twitter at Twitter. I'm Pamela underscore Brett. So it's B-R-E-T-T, Pamela underscore Brett. Awesome. And mine's pretty easy. You can just find me well here on the podcast. So yeah, follow both of our podcasts, right. Blue Glasses Math, um, <laughs> Confident Teen Podcast. And then you can find me at Confident Teen Teacher on Instagram is probably where I'm the most active. This was a lot of fun. I so loved fun. this conversation. I told you, we just kind of bounce off each other and get all the information that we wanted to get out there. And I can definitely see a follow-up though conversation coming soon because there's so much more that we could have said. But I think for now... Yeah, this is a lot of really good, a lot of really good information that we shared. I agree. And then next time I want to dig into that brain stuff a little bit more. (laughs) 100%. Joe Dispenza, go find him, go do your own research. Um, Listen for yourself. Honestly, some of, some of his work has literally changed my life. So I am 100% confident that it can do the same for others. Thanks, Christy. Thank you so much for showing up today and for taking the time to listen to another episode. If any part of this episode resonated with you, I would greatly appreciate if you would share it with somebody else who may need to hear it too. Please don't forget to be brave, to trust yourself, and when you're ready, take action. Thank you.